This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Regardless of whether retirement is two or 20 years away, Aware Super can help you get a plan in place to live your best retirement. Visit aware.com.au to find out more. Good morning. I'm Alex Stein. And I'm Alice Dempster. It's Friday, the 21st of April. In your Squiz today, a review of the RBA, America's latest abortion battle, teeing off in Adelaide, and Travolta's pants for sale. This is your Squiz today. Back in July last year, our treasurer, Jim Chalmers, asked for a review into the Reserve Bank of Australia. That review finally came back yesterday with 51 recommendations. And Alice, you're going to take <laughs> us through all 51 of them. <laughs> yeah, maybe just the biggest ones, Alex. Okay. The review recommended that the RBA board be split into two groups with different functions. One group would do the thing that average Aussies probably associate the RBA most with, which is setting monetary policy, aka the cash rate. The other group would look after general operations that most Aussies probably don't think a lot about, things like currency supply. And the review also recommended that interest rate meetings be reduced from 11 per year down to eight. And the other thing that's been recommended is that the RBA shouldn't just consider inflation figures when it's making interest rate decisions, but it should also consider Australia's employment rate. Now, some context for this review is that back in 2021, the current RBA governor, Philip Lowe, said that Australia wouldn't have any rate rises until 2024. Then, just a few months later, after that prediction, inflation went crazy and the RBA ended up raising the interest rate 10 times in a row. The governor, Philip Lowe, responded to yesterday's review upon its release. Yeah, Philip Lowe welcomed the review. He said that the suggestions around splitting the board into two would strengthen the monetary policy process. And the review also got the nod from those in the industry, Alex. Chris Richardson from Deloitte said that the changes make sense and would bring Australia in line with the other central banks around the world. And from the coalition, Treasury spokesperson Angus Taylor said that the review is a good step in the right direction. Labor said it agrees with all 51 of the recommendations in principle, but implementing the changes will take legislative change as well as some changes that need to be implemented from inside the RBA by the governor and the board itself. Yemen has been going through it, Alice. Yesterday, we heard the news that a crush of people in the capital city killed at least 78 people. Yeah, so to explain a bit about what happened there, the crowd had gathered to receive money handouts from two local businessmen. That's connected to a Ramadan tradition of the wealthy providing aid, especially to the poor. But the crowd was poorly managed and when two Houthi officers fired into the air to try and control the crowd, the resulting crush left those 78 people dead and many injured. The Houthis that you mentioned there, Alice, they're an Iran-backed rebel fighter group that seized control of Yemen's capital back in 2015. That started a civil war, which has in turn created one of the world's biggest humanitarian crises in Yemen, with around 21 million people considered by the UN to be in need of help and protection. This is a story that's been bubbling away in America for the last few weeks, Alice. A federal judge from Texas tried to ban one of the pills commonly used to provide medication abortions. 
That decision was immediately appealed, and in the weeks since, we've been expecting a ruling from the Supreme Court. That ruling is going to come down any day now. Yeah, Alex, the drug is called Mifepristone, and it was approved by the US Drug Authority back in 2000. But Judge Matthew Kaczmarek, who's previously been involved in anti-abortion efforts, tried to reverse that approval. His efforts are widely seen as the latest attempt by anti-abortion activists who are looking for new ways to limit abortion access in the states. That's following the landmark ruling to overturn Roe v Wade last year. Now, the Supreme Court in America has a 6-3 majority of conservative judges, which is how Roe v. Wade was overturned last year. People were expecting a ruling from the Supreme Court on Mifepristone by now, but the Supreme Court pushed out their timeline. So here in Australia, we can expect to see a ruling come through over the weekend. Live Golf has come to your hometown, Alice. The Rival (laughs) Golf League. Rival Golf League. It sounds so dramatic. They are playing their first Australian tournament at Adelaide's Grange Golf Club. Yeah, so the Live tournament was set up as an alternative to the world's four big golf tours, including the PGA. And it's been spearheaded by the Aussie golf legend, Greg Norman. At first, anyone playing in the Live tournaments was banned from the PGA. That is dramatic. (laughs) That's no longer the case. And the other controversial thing about Live Golf is that the money for the tournament comes from the Saudi Arabian government. And some people have accused the Saudis of using golf to cover up their poor record on human rights. And when you say the money comes from the Saudis, Alice, we are talking about Mm -hmm. money. There is $37 million in prize money for grabs and the winner gets $6 million. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. Something nice to head into the weekend, Alice. A study has found that people are actually kind of good to each other. (laughs) Yeah, the study was trying to measure how often we ask for help, Alex, and then how other people respond to those requests. Apparently, we make a request for help every two minutes and 17 seconds on average. That's very specific. specific. (laughs) And the person we're asking is seven times more likely to say yes than no. Now, the study was trying to compare cooperation across cultures and language groups, and it found a remarkable similarity across the eight language groups they studied. Alice, it's Friday. It's time for some recommendations. What have you got for us? <laughs> well, I've been looking at the auction catalogue run by Julian's in Beverly Hills. Mm. That's where a lot of weird celebrity items and memorabilia <laughs> comes up for sale. Uh, the catalogue is really fun to look at. It's got the storyboard sketches from Die Hard to signed Hitchcock movie posters and also John Travolta's iconic Saturday Night Fever suit, which is a good one. Die Hard, Alice, is my favourite Christmas film. (laughs) 
We'll link to that catalogue in the show notes. And we always have a recipe on Friday. Alice, what have you got for us? Yeah, we do. It's Anzac Day next week, of course. And Lara in our office has an Anzac recipe that she swears by. It's for caramelised Anzac bars by Helen Go. And they're really crunchy and easy to make. So good ones to try out. I've seen photos of these bars and they look incredible. Yeah, they do. (laughs) And that wraps us up for today. I'm joining Claire for Saturday Squiz tomorrow. We're going to be chatting about the Fox News trial in the US as well as some other American news. And of course, the very cool solar eclipse. That's out tomorrow morning. Yeah, can't wait to listen to that, Alex. And just a quick reminder that our Squiz survey is out and we'd really love for Squizzes to fill it out for us. We've had some really great responses so far and we've really enjoyed reading them. So thanks to everyone who's jumped in already. And finally, Alice, some housekeeping. We are taking a long weekend, like I'm sure a lot of people in the country will. So (laughs) the Squiz today will be back on Wednesday. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50 and that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress yeah. that's sort of an equivalent price, people equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, you don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.